In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Matt Ward about where selling on Amazon is headed in 2019. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 51. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pulaski, and I'm here today with Matt Ward. Matt is an angel investor, startup advisor, serial entrepreneur with three exits, author, futurist, podcaster, and biohacker focused on building a better future through innovation and entrepreneurship. He runs a popular experimental tech podcast called The Disruptors. It is a top blogger on Medium and runs an angel investment syndicate and podcast at thesyndicate.vc. I asked Matt to come on the show today, talk a bit about his thoughts on where Amazon is headed in 2019. So, hey, Matt, how are you doing today? Thanks for having me, Charles. I'm excited. Yeah, me as well. It, uh, you have quite the bio. Did I read, read through that accurately there? I'm a little ADD, so it, it bounces around a bit. That's the big problem. Yep. But it, I hit all the big points, all right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Very good. All right. So, I mean, for starters, what is your ba- like? What is your background in regards to e-commerce and where did you kind of get your start? Um, and then let's kind of talk about a little, little bit about Amazon after that. Studied mechanical engineering, found out fast, no way I'm working for someone. I got into solopreneurship and primarily I was learning about drop shipping, which I, I was a little bit late to that game. It didn't quite work out. I made some mistakes. When was this? This was... 2013, 14. Yep. Okay. It was late enough in drop shipping. There's you weren't going to make money, and I, the mistakes I made on top of that did not help. So I, I started a podcast, Art of the Kickstart. It was focused on crowdfunding because crowdfunding was pretty exciting. It was happening these days. I built the top crowdfunding podcast, only to find out helping people raise money is a shit business. They don't have anything to pay you with, so you have got to kind of make your own stuff. I went to China to make a laptop case that opened to a standing desk that I designed. And while there, I knew people that were doing this Amazon FBA thing, and they were doing really well. And I didn't regard them as that special. So I figured if they can do it, I probably can as well. I started getting some samples, started a brand, and one thing led to another. It just started to take off. I, it was going really well. I was kind of pushing the envelope, and sales were, sales were exploding. I started a podcast, FBA All-Stars, basically outlining what I was doing for Amazon, why it was working, and trying to share that with the world. That went really well because... All of the other podcasts were essentially trying to sell you a course or be super non-transparent. And people liked the the punchy, this is a no bullshit thing. So that grew pretty quickly and allowed me to make a little bit of affiliate money and reinvest 100% of the money into the business for the the uh, the outdoors business. Scaled that up. I probably took a 8K investment and scaled it to a, it was actually supposed to be kind of like a joke, a tagline for the podcast, step one to seven figures. But eventually the business was going so well, it was like, you know what? I kind of feel like I should commit to this. So I ended up doing it. I hit the goal. It's still on a bit of an earnout, But yeah, I scaled the business. And it was a lot of fun. I learned a ton about Amazon. And here I am today. All right. So that business that you scaled from 7,000 up to seven figures, what was that exactly? Was that part of the laptop case business or what was that? No, the, the laptop case business got put on the side burner because things were things were going so quickly with the other stuff. It was an outdoor like home and garden type business. I don't like to get too much into the details because my partner still runs it and haven't cleared that stuff with him but yeah it was an outdoorsy business and selling your generic outdoorsy stuff and it was on amazon so the brand doesn't really matter what matters is ranking and having good sales copy and being good at advertising it was that a business where you got products from 
overseas. So what was the like the high level? Like what was that business? Um, not the actual brand, but yeah, the function. Of initially, it. initially it was initially it was sourcing products in Alibaba. Yep. As I got more sophisticated, I hired a, a Chinese sourcing agent, which was an incredibly beneficial thing. I was getting way better rates. She was handling the shipping. She was handling working with suppliers, and that's just super simplified things because I'm an outside foreigner and she's a local and knew the knew the ecosystem. So it was faster, better, cheaper. Uh, from that, we kind of scaled that up. We were doing um, relatively large um, order sizes, 2,000 units typically, and then scaling up new products, new products, new products. With e-commerce, a lot of it's just reinvesting in growth. So uh, the way I, part of the reason I was able to grow the business so quickly was the growth, but part of it was also I didn't take a dime out of the business for the first year, year and a half. It was just reinvesting all of it. Yeah, that's one of the things people have in the show we always talk about on you don't realize getting into it, even if you're, no matter how you get it sourcing the products, e-commerce is a very like cash hungry business where to grow, you need actually more money and you basically need to reinvest everything almost then some, like it's, it takes a lot to, uh, to get to some big numbers. So it was just, were you doing some sort of outside investment or was it purely just reinvesting a hundred percent back into it? It was pure reinvesting a hundred percent into it, but the margins, especially with some of the products were so good that you could do really well. And I had a couple of products that would just suddenly take off and then the first product field the next three a, a later product field like the next seven it wasn't necessarily every product was a hit it was certain products were hits but if you're playing i mean if you're fishing and you're trying in multiple areas eventually you find where the fish are and then you just throw more nets there so that model right there are the multiple nets right were you what year is this by the way they were talking i start i started uh 2015, 2015. may 2015-ish Okay, and when it started to grow, it was in 2015 still. So yeah, it was it, it was it was relatively recent. Okay, and it was before Amazon changed their policy on reviews and incentivized reviews. I was part of the problem that caused that the the podcast and talking about what I was doing and why it was working. Suddenly, that became like an overnight thing where everyone was doing it, and then ah. we got to the absurd review situation. So, for people who don't know, what, what was that problem that you that you caused? Because I think. If you're selling a lot on Amazon, it's almost like a, like an old, like everyone knows not to do it anymore. But back in the day, it was like the wild west. Yeah. Right? So I'd, I'd heard of some people and basically they were trying to get you to buy products and giving you discount codes and realizing that that would drive sales. So thinking it through, I was like, okay, let's build up an email list and let's send that email list coupon codes. But rather than just sending them links, I'm going to tell them what to search for. I'm going to tell them what page it's going to be on. And then have them go through that. So I'd build up a list, have them do that. And suddenly I have X number of people the first day the product launches searching for the exact perfect keywords and buying that product. You would kind of shoot up the ranking. So I had products with one review that was like top three product in a very competitive space. And it was working really well. And all of this was all of this was gray hat at the time. Technically, Amazon has in their terms of service, you're not allowed to do anything whatsoever that remotely gives you an advantage or tries to help you sell your product. So it was kind of something where Amazon sellers were like, okay, this is a joke. We don't care. So we're going to try. And that's what I did. I, I was also pretty decent at copywriting and uh, marketing and advertising as well. So using Amazon's Amazon's PPC engine is the best PPC engine in the world. So dealing with that and really pouring money into things that were either they didn't have to be profitable they just had to get us ranking and get us selling well enough where the losses from ppc could kind of eat those and then the gains from organic sales more than made up for it 
Yep. And now just a little footnote here. If you're listening <laughs> and it's 2018, 2019, Amazon has become um, much more aggressive about detecting this, much more sophisticated. Um, it's now not gray hat. It's like black hat, right? Like you don't, this is like a big no-no. Um, and they like aggressively go after people for this now, right? Yeah, they go aggressively go after people for this now. So I would not recommend doing it. Yeah, like that, that that's one of those tips that like that ship has sailed. And I bet um, that helped big time then, right? And kind of leveled. Oh, up. that was super. That was super helpful. Yep. That and then it also had like the the antitrust effect of once the incumbents are in place and suddenly the rules are changed and it's harder to get traction. So, for instance, like post GDPR, it's hard to create a company to compete with Facebook because Facebook can pay for it. And they can already have the users. It was a similar effect with this is if you were in place and selling well, once they changed those rules, there was a lot less of a chance that you would be overturned, so to speak. Someone would jump in. Now you see a lot of people, I mean, everyone's still pushing those rules and pushing the envelope, especially Chinese sellers. They don't really care about any of the rules. They just, we have tons of stuff, let's do it. And you still definitely see that today, but I would not recommend doing that especially if your business is primarily on Amazon. Then that said, if your business is primarily on Amazon, I wouldn't recommend that as a business model on Amazon. I would be trying to get off of Amazon as quickly as possible and have multiple channels. Ah, okay. So now let's, so that, that's a good one right there. Um, and yeah, I've talked to people on the podcast, um, where they talk about Amazon accounts getting shut down, like, you know, big, big seven, eight figure accounts, just done like off and in <laughs> Amazon, you try to email them and it's like, you know, there's no one there like to talk to directly. So like getting them turned back on is like a whole process. So definitely playing in that space now is a little dangerous. Um, and that's probably why I'm guessing you're saying time to diversify, not just be on Amazon, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you got to be in as many places as possible. And ideally you own those sales channels. Mm, okay. So an example of some sales channel, you know, sales channel you own, obviously your own Shopify, site, right? Shopify, yep. ones that you don't own. Walmart actually worked pretty well for us. And some other, um, but yeah, like Shopify, you would own, if you're building on Facebook's marketplace, you're not going to own that basically email list, email list and Shopify is really what you own. Google ads, Google ads, you don't exactly own that, but it's something where Google's probably not going to want to get rid of you because you're giving them free money. So it's, it's more, it's more sustainable than building on an Amazon type model. Yeah. It's funny. Google ads, it's, they worked years ago and they still work, which is bizarre that like no one. I, this is at least what you know my findings that people are still using them today um and it's not like this thing that is coming on it's still you know you can use product listing as they've gotten more expensive but you can still make them work is that kind of what you found as well or yeah i was never great with google ads i'll be honest i i believe if you're selling on amazon it makes no sense to advertise anywhere other than through amazon's ad system until you've completely maxed out what you can do there assuming you're only selling on amazon or primarily on amazon because amazon's targeting is so much better than anywhere else that that's definitely what i would do um, if you if you wanted to get into advertising i would set up uh, probably slightly against google's terms of service but i would set up some type of landing page for the product where people enter their email address to get some type of five percent coupon etc and then you forward them through to Amazon, use your own Amazon affiliate link. So you get commissions and then you also get the email address and then you get the sale and then you can tell if people are clicking through or not. Ah, okay. So I have no idea if that's against or gray hat or where that is in the terms of service, but that's an interesting it's, one. It's, it's acceptable for all of them, but Amazon doesn't like if you use affiliate links to your own products. So you should use a different Amazon account. 
Okay. <laughs> so that sounds great, Hap. But okay, so let's talk about what you said. So you would run Google AdWords to a landing page for a product where someone gives you your their email address in exchange for a coupon code that then links to a Amazon account that you're loosely affiliated with. Is that kind of what you're? Yeah, basically, because then you get the email address and you can still get the sale. And the email address is super valuable because it means you can send them to Shopify next time. Okay. And then you also know they like that type of product. So if you're selling outdoors products, um, they might, and you have a Shopify store or your own store with, you know, different, different products, different sales, then you can push them there as well. Yeah. Basically you're not playing on someone else's playground. Suddenly you stole the, stole the playground. Yep. And the nice part about that too, it sounds like is you can probably be pretty competitive in your, uh, in your AdWords bidding. You can, and worst case scenario, someone goes through, they enter their email address and they decide not to buy. But while they're there, you click, they clicked there. And then two weeks later they buy a pool. Well, you get a 4% commission on whatever that pool cost. Cause that's how Amazon's affiliate model works. Okay. So if somebody doesn't enter their email address, but they click on the product. So they say, I don't want the coupon code and maybe I'm not ready to buy it right now, but I'm just going to, you know, look around. They're still part of your affiliate code. I meant if they entered the email address, but essentially if you have an affiliate link, the that'll get cookied and Amazon will know who sent them there. And if you were the person that sent them to Amazon and you're the only one that's cookied, then if they buy anything, they come back to Amazon. Over, I think it's like a two week or a month type period, then you can get commissions. So like I accidentally sold a pool one time. I wasn't, <laughs> use, I wasn't using this technique. This was from something else. Yep. But this is a technique I've seen people use that works well. A pool, like a swimming pool, are we talking? Like a swimming pool. How, how much of those cost? <laughs> I didn't know that I mean, was an it, Amazon like two day prime. It was one of it was one of the like blow up on the on the ground one. So it's maybe like two hundred bucks or okay. something. But still, I was picturing a lot bigger, like a you know palatial thing going on here in the backyard. Um, and then so you sent them sent traffic to Amazon for let's say some outdoors product. They didn't buy, but they kind of just roamed around for the next couple of weeks. They bought this inflatable pool. You earned a commission off that and just kind of saw this like random listing on your commission report. Basically. Interesting. Okay. So is that something, so fast forward to 2018, is that something you'd recommend as like a, a thing that's working currently? I think it's something that can work, but I would try to, as much as possible, build your business off of Amazon and also as much as possible, build your business without advertising. So you start out with advertising because it's a quick uptake, but you want to have SEO, you want to have social media, you want to have other things become your ultimate driver of the business. So like a, a better or a more optimized version of that would be either building websites or acquiring cheap websites that have some decent domain rankings. Like you find those top 10 pages, et cetera, acquiring ones that are ranking well and pointing pro more products towards your Shopify page. You can point them to your Amazon page as well, but at least you point to your products and then use affiliate links. If you have to point to any other Amazon things, basically trying to build up some different organic ways to acquire customers. Building up, uh, I like the I like the lead magnet thing because you're getting the email address and then you can remarket to them. I don't think it's something that wouldn't work today. I just think it's something where if you are spending money and sending someone to Amazon, that is also something you have to consider because Amazon doesn't give a shit about you. Why not actually? First, a couple questions there. First, if you're getting the email address, that whole lead magnet landing page, why not send them to your own store? Why are you sending them to Amazon in the in the first place? You can. The question is how fast and seamless do you want it to be? I guess you could send them to your store as well. That probably would be a better method. The people that I've known 
that use that technique would be the ones that would send it. They were very focused on Amazon and trying to essentially up the rankings by upping the sales. And if you're sending people to Amazon that buy stuff on your store, then Amazon likes that a lot because you're giving them. It's like sending people to YouTube. YouTube likes it when you send people that weren't on YouTube to YouTube. So they reward you for it. So that's an interesting one. And then what were you saying right before that? Um, the other method, I want to make sure I capture that as well. I mean, if you've got money and you've got a business that's churning out profit, what's a way that you could acquire other properties, other businesses, et cetera, you could offset a bit of the profit and find that to be something that's a long-term growth mechanism. So let's say you're selling sports products, you're selling on Amazon, you're on Shopify, you're on Walmart, whatever. And you look online, you look on one of these um, website flipper sites and someone's selling a sports site. Well, if you can buy that and it's pretty cheap because they're advertising or they're monetizing it with like AdSense, et cetera. So it's making shit for money. You could take over that site and whether or not the site makes money, if the site sends more traffic to you that makes money, then you can make money on that and also offset all the profit that you were making before. So find these like basically those like low niche end, like sites. niche yeah. sites. Yeah. Where people are people you would say sites that are like completely like a ghost town dead uh, something where people are driving something that's, some something traffic, that's, something that's ranking and getting some some type of search volume. So basically a lot of people built these niche sites. And that was great for a while, but then people kind of realized, okay, this is it kind of people moved on. Yep. They don't make a ton of money doing it. They might make some affiliate money, but if they're making some affiliate money, you would make some affiliate money. But if you make that affiliate money and you're able to instead prioritize your products over other products and you're able to write it off, whatever that purchase price is into business expenses, et cetera, then suddenly you have less taxes to pay. You have a sales channel that you own, which is organic. And you're still making more or less the money the site was making anyways. Okay. So that's, that's that one's a bit more, it's a bit more complicated. It's a bit more high level. Yeah. But if you were really good at that, you could do really well, I imagine. So let's go slow on that. Cause I, I think that's important actually what you just said. Cause that's a, that's a good one actually. Um, so this, and this used to be something, um, people do tons of where you could go on Google and buy, um, brown outdoor backpacks. Like you could literally.com. And that was actually like a domain you could buy and then Google was relatively basic at the time. It's going back over me years ago. And if you search for brown outdoor backpacks, it would literally brown outdoor backpacks.com would rank very well for that. Um, it would show up first. So a lot of people were buying these, they were building these and they would just funnel off to Amazon. These are the sites we're talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. So where would you go today to find some of those sites that are still ticking around? Cause some people have built up these like massive portfolios, right? With like hundreds, if not more of these. There would be two ways to do it. You could look at sites like Flippa or Empire Flippers that are website selling sites and see who's selling what. But you could also just kind of Google around and look for sites that top 10 sports products. Um, basically, look for sites that are in your domain and you could just reach out to them and say, hey, we like what you're doing. Would you ever consider selling? Okay, so basically, if you sell outdoor sites, try to find maybe not your direct competitors, but people just in that space. Um, and maybe not, not even necessarily people that are selling product more find people that, I mean, there's tons of review sites and they're pretty much all just Amazon affiliate link sites that are reviewing products and then pointing people to Amazon. But if you, a lot of those people want cash, they, they're not necessarily as interested in the long-term cash. They're interested in cash. So if, if you can hand them some cash, then it can work out really well. How much are we talking some of these sites? I've never, uh, th this, I don't know the numbers behind. Are we talking? I think the going rate, the going rate that I remember is something like 
20 times um, monthly profits. So if you've got an affiliate site that making a hundred bucks a month, it's two grand. Okay. So you can acquire these pretty cheaply, basically. Yeah, you can acquire it pretty cheaply. And if suddenly you're, you're um, instead of making 4% on those referral commissions, you're making 50% plus the 4% on the other products, then that becomes interesting. And you can also use those sites for like lead gen, et cetera. People enter their email addresses, whatever. So buy that site that's basically just referring people to other people's Amazon products, but then refer them to your Amazon products at that point. Yeah, everyone wants cash, especially businesses where they have a ton of these little sites. If they could liquidate some of them and have a little bit of a, a boost, that would be nice for them in all likelihood. And at that point, I mean, you're also probably can bid a little more than the next guy. You can probably do pretty well, right? Because you're not just you're not just buying it and monetizing the way they are. Um, so that whatever hundred dollars a month, you're looking at making a multi, you know, more than that, right? So you actually probably can outbid whoever else is out there. Oh, definitely. And I'm not 100% on the taxes, but I believe you should be able to write it all off on taxes. So if you made 500 grand in profit and shit, we just bought $100,000 worth of sites. Well, now you have 400 grand in profit. Yep. So you're basically just reinvesting in the business, buying these. You're doing what Amazon does. Yeah. You're playing smart. You're building your little uh, your empire and just kind of growing out from there, right? Yeah. Okay. So then you would send them to your Amazon, your Amazon products with your Amazon affiliate link. So you both sell the product to them and then get the affiliate commission for selling your own product to that. I would probably send, I would probably send them to Shopify for your oh, products. Okay. But if you had other products on there, so you want to at least appear impartial, I would send them to Amazon and use affiliate links. Okay. So basically you'd acquire these. So people have built these review sites and, um, something about these sites is they take a while to get some domain authority, right? Where you can't just, you know, if you buy brownoutdoorbackpacks.com tomorrow, it doesn't rank number one tomorrow. It might take six months, nine months, whatever that is to actually start ranking. And when it does, it will get those long-term and it kind of just like drips out that $100 long tail. long tail forever, basically. So you're basically mm -hmm. saying, take these um, sites that people have already kind of spun up and you can skip ahead, you know, for a relatively short money, you can basically skip ahead six months, nine months, buy the site, refer them to your site, you get the email address, and then you also still get on the other products, a uh, affiliate commission. Bingo. And you write it all off for taxes. Write it all off for taxes. All right. I like that. That's a, uh, that's when you don't hear of actually very often still. Um, it's complicated. It's complicated, but I, I like that. Is it, so that's something, so, but you would not send them to Amazon, right? I wouldn't do it for your products unless you were super Amazon focused. I think people that are super Amazon focused are super short term focused and ultimately get screwed, which is why I point them, which I, I think about Shopify. Hmm. And we say Shopify, basically your own site, right? So your own site, it doesn't yep. matter what it is. Yeah. Yep. What would be a good thing to do as an Amazon seller in 2019 is like, is it diversify, build your own site, or is it something on Amazon that would help as well? Diversify. So if you look at the trend, I've actually, this would be super helpful for, um, for listeners. If you guys go to disruptors.fm slash free, I wrote a book, uh, gods of the valley analyzing the tech companies and looking how they monopolize the future there's a chapter on google amazon facebook and apple you guys can get the entire thing for free disruptors.fm slash free there it's about a 30 minute read for each company and a lot of it's directly focused on amazon but in terms of amazon specifically i would be getting off of amazon if you look at the trend of amazon basics they're essentially taking third-party sellers data and using that to create products then put themselves as number one reduce the price comparatively because they don't have to pay the 15% margins to Amazon and then making a ton of money while screwing everyone else. If you see the uptick of this, it's 
I mean, it's it's starting to become exponential in terms of the number of Amazon Basics products. And that's not stopping anytime soon, especially with Alexa in your home. Suddenly when you're in the kitchen, you're like, hey, Alexa, I need um, I need some bread and peanut butter to make sandwiches. That's going to send you that. Hey, Alexa, I'm on the toilet. Write a toilet paper. Can you get some more? Anything like that where the brand doesn't really matter, it's going to start becoming Amazon Basics or Whole Foods products. So you got to think about Amazon in terms of they're trying to build a monopoly that can't quite be called a monopoly, but really is a monopoly, and we all realize it. So if I was if I was having an Amazon business right now, I would do one of two things. I would either sell the business and get into something else, or I would focus if it's something that has a legitimate brand, not like, oh, God, we've white-labeled it, and this is such a cool little brand, but no one actually gives a shit about our brand brand. But if you have a brand that people actually care about with really good products, I would focus on two things. Getting off of Amazon as putting as much of your eggs into the other channels basis as you can, and then creating original products. Not like, hey, I have a wristband and now I sell a two pack. That's not an original product. But if you were creating something where it's like, I've got this microphone, but you know what? Wouldn't it be great if I had a little video camera here so it could look up my nose and then we could make videos like that? And obviously that's not a good example, but looking at how you can create something that is absolutely different than what exists something that's solving pain points not something that's a tiny little alteration but a new product that your customers would want if you can do that you can succeed on amazon as well but i my focus what i tell people build a business don't build someone else's sales channel uh, okay yeah you see a lot of that going on nowadays where people are white labeling a product going and getting a product from somewhere and basically putting just a different logo on it and calling that their product. Um, and that's, that's what I did, but yep. it was 2015 guys. Yep. So you're trying to say fast forward 2018, 2019, that ship is selling basically it's, it's on its way out. It is unless, unless you have a ton of money and a sales engine behind it. So like the people that are doing this and doing it well, they've got shit tons of money because they were like, Oh my God, Amazon is this great opportunity. So I've had one, one or two, um, I think it was two different uh, individuals that kind of just wanted to chit chat with me. One of them had a hundred million dollar fund to roll up Amazon product businesses, scale it out, and then be able to have that economies of scale. You can't compete with people that have that kind of money. You can't compete with people that have that kind of experience. So I would not start an Amazon business now. Potentially, it might be different if you were starting in Australia or in, in some of the other places where Amazon is not actually a thing yet. But even then, build something unique because otherwise you're the same thing for everyone, which is ultimately nothing for no one and easy to copy. So let's say you were starting, you were starting from nothing from a dead stop. Um, you said, okay, I want 2019. I want to get into e-commerce. Would you recommend even starting on Amazon or would you say like, don't even start, start on your own site as well? Cause it also, they, the flip side of this is on Amazon. There's people sitting there ready to buy with their credit card number already on file. Do both. Okay. So, so Amazon, I don't say not to play the platform game. So platforms and marketplaces are incredible. You can really quickly use them to get rocket fuel, but you've got to, it's like a timing thing. You've got to kind of think about it like this. When do you jump off? You have to be building with the intention of changing. So maybe 20% of your focus is on your Shopify store and 80% on Amazon, but that needs to be shifting month over month. You're shifting that focus 10%. Something, something similar so that you're using Amazon as much as you can, but you're not going to get abused by Amazon. Instead, you're the one who's taking advantage of them because it's you screwing them or them screwing you. 
So you're trying to say, instead of your goal is to sell products, your goal is to build a brand and you're using Amazon to help you do that. Not, not the other way around, right? Where, you know, you're just going in and selling products. You're saying, I want to build X and this is like a, a lasting brand that people are going to search not for the product, but for the brand. But the only way to do that is to use Amazon as like the engine. Um, cause on Amazon, people are searching for the product, right? And the, but use that to kind of leverage and those funds and economies of scale. And you actually go from ordering, you know, a thousand units to 10,000, um, doing it that way. And then you start to be able to drive down your costs for your brand. The way Airbnb scaled was they essentially raped, uh, Craigslist. They would go on every web, uh, every country, every city, and they would message anyone who was listing housing and say, Hey, do you want to list on Airbnb? They would also create listings for all the Airbnb listings on Craigslist and then quickly respond to people like that. They were taking advantage of them. They were breaking all the rules to get people over to Airbnb because it's a way better systems than Craigslist. And it's a similar thing here. How can you do that? How can you get customers email addresses? How can you point them over to your store so that they become your customers and not Amazon's customers that bought your product, but don't even really realize it. Yeah. I like that. It, um, even it's funny, I buy, you know, personally things on Amazon, I have a, uh, a new microphone stand coming today. I could not tell you what brand it is. I don't know who's selling it. I have no, like, I have no, uh, thing. I want to go back to that person ever. I, they've, they didn't sell me on the brand. They said it's a stand. It's like a stainless steel base. You know, I liked how it looked. Um, but then recently I went with a, um, was it an airware, um, air quality monitor type of thing they sell on Amazon, but they also sell on their own site and you can find them on Amazon and it's nice because you get two day shipping, but you know, the brand and you're not going because you just want a generic air quality monitor. You know, you're going for their brand and you're searching for their brand on Amazon. And that's the question. Is this something where people want the brand or they want the product? Yep. So you're saying you need to build a brand in 2019. Yeah. Okay. And now. If that's your goal and where, when people are starting though, to build a brand from, from nothing from, or from right now, they're selling some generic, they're selling, you know, mics, microphone stands. How do they get to building a brand and how do they end the funding behind that? Right. Where that's also not cheap. I was talking to uh, the guest on episode 50 and she came up with the first adjustable height hail and started talking after about just kind of what really went into that. And there's some, you know, it costs a lot of money. It's not something that a lot of people, you know, you're not starting that for a couple thousand typically. Um, so where do you, how do you recommend folks actually do that and get from something small, something generic to actually be able to fund that brand? I mean, if you've already got the skill set, go and find companies that want to be online and help them get on Amazon and charge them a bunch of money so that you have money to focus on building something. Kickstarter is pretty good if you've got smart ideas for products you can do kickstarter indiegogo and try to crowdfund that you can go that investment route and try to take some investors on board it depends on the product it really has to be it depends on the business it has to have exponential scale returns for that to make sense for an investor i think there's a lot of ways you can think about it if you could do a company that i like let's let's bring that up a company i like that's interesting i think experiential commerce is the future so britain co is a company and they make diy kits but they don't make DIY kits. That's not where they started. They started making essentially DIY courses. They would teach you how to make ceramic pots, how to paint certain things, how to make your own uh, nightstand, et cetera. Imagine Pinterest, but in a, in a video format, teaching you how to do stuff. That's what they did. And they charged people for these courses. 
Then once they had this going and they had these loyal members that were buying courses and excited about it, they started making kits for all the products that they, all the projects that they did. So suddenly they were selling the course and the kit. I think that's a great way to go in terms of e-commerce going forward. Obviously, there's only certain certain avenues where that would apply, but doing something like that, super differentiated, super loyal customers, you own them and you sell them at least twice on everything. And one of those projects is products is digital, so the margins are ridiculous. Yeah, so you're basically, you're first generating the, the eyeballs, the page views, getting customers to your, in, the the, brand. in your brand, in your ecosystem, and then selling a product, not coming at them with, hey, you know, you need a microphone stand, we're here. You're talking to podcasters, let's say, and that's, that's who your audience is. And then you're saying, oh, we also have this branded microphone stand and it works great and we use it for our podcast and you should too. Bingo. And initially you can just be an affiliate for stuff that is valuable and fits in there. And then as that happens, you can kind of pivot over to your own products. Uh, okay. So first, just basically you sell, find microphone stands you like, right? Um, or even better, like a, um, what's a podcast microphone, a Heil PR40, right? It's an expensive hiring microphone. You're not going to develop that on your own, but if, essentially stop by just recommending products you like, um, but generate your audience first. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Because that's something that's more proprietary. Yeah. It's funny. So in the primary business, we see a lot of brands doing that. There's a lot of big brands and that's kind of how, um, that's something we've seen recently, right? Where people, they're leveraging audiences into e-commerce. They're not getting into e-commerce, um, for the sake of e-commerce, right? They're, they're doing something else and then selling products as a companion to that. Um, I always think of the same way as like the app store, right? Where go back how many years ago, you know, 10 years ago, I guess now, just about Apple launched the app store. You could create an app and make it a hit. And like, this was something everyone was doing. You see less and less of those like big app hits now. And it's a lot of folks that have something else and they're making an app to go with it. They're not just saying, you know, let's just make an app where we're an app company. They're saying we're something and we also have an app. Yeah, basically it, because it's too saturated. No one cares about you and Apple doesn't have to care about you. Amazon doesn't have to care about you because if they lose a hundred million dollar seller, that's, that's jump change. But if you go about it the other way, you can come at it and you can have the rankings and you can scale that and you can already have something that's a business that you then add on to. I like it. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can see the landscape changing as we go. So, and it's, it's not just become more difficult, but it's like a different game altogether where, um, it's definitely heading in where, like you talked about years ago, you could just go and white label something. And I think that still works to a point today. Here are a lot of folks doing that. Um, but it might, you know, the ecosystem might be shifting as you said. So I like that. Yeah. yeah they don't realize that it. it's, it's ostriches don't actually hit, stick their head in the sand. That's a myth, but it's, it's a similar concept. And I've got a, <laughs> I've got a pretty, I've got a pretty in-depth blog post about this. If you guys go to medium.com and then search Matt Ward and e-commerce, um, I kind of break down the different e-commerce business models that work and don't work and where they're headed going forward. Good. All right. I'll link to that in the show notes before I run any last, uh, any last tips in 2019 you would, you'd recommend think bigger. I think people can always think bigger and thinking bigger forces you to do things differently. It takes about the same amount of effort to do 10 X or a hundred X the results. So my question for you would be if your goal this year is to hit 
a million dollars in sales? What would you have to do? How would you have to think different? How would you have to structure the organization to shoot for 10 million in sales, a hundred million in sales? Cause it's not impossible. It takes about the same effort. It just takes hiring the right people, thinking about the business a little bit differently. So that would be, that would be my call to action is to think bigger and go bigger because we've got major problems in the world and we can solve them if we're willing to take major actions. I like that. All right. Yeah. It's, it's a lot better hitting your, uh, missing you a $10 million goal than miss, you know, than missing a million dollar goal. You'll still, you'll still win missing the larger goal. So yeah, you shoot for the, shoot for the moon and you don't quite get there. You're still in the star. It's actually the stars are farther than the moon, but you get the point. <laughs> get the point. All right, Matt. Yeah. Awesome. I will, uh, definitely link to those in the show notes and where else can people find you? So the best place is disruptors.fm. That's where we run the disruptors podcast. I get, I get the world's quite literally the world's smartest folks, Ted level folks focused on quantum computing, AI, robotics, space, automation, human longevity. You can find out how long you're actually going to live, what's changing and where the future is headed. That's disruptors.fm. If you guys want to get the, that free book, uh, gods of the Valley that outlines Amazon and their business going forward, uh, just go to disruptors.fm slash free, enter the email address and you can get that. And then you can find me on Twitter, Matt Ward IO. I have a website that outlines, Everything I do, if you just go to mattward.io, you can learn a little bit more about me, get in touch, and then see some of the other projects I'm working on as well. Awesome, Matt. I'll link to that in the show notes. I appreciate you coming on. It's great talking with you. Yeah, it was fun. This was a good one.